From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, many essential workers who stayed in high-risk jobs during the early months of the pandemic were cut out of an earlier plan by the state to provide hazard pay. Now, it's unclear whether lawmakers will be able to include those workers in the next round of COVID relief. One of those workers is Christy Thies. Christy started work at a cleaning company in Rutland in January. I made this leap in kind of trying to discover a new path that was less stressful. (laughs) And it was about three and a half, four weeks before COVID hit. um, And it was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Our reporter, Ann Wallace-Allen, caught up with Christy this week. um, Christy is a manager at a, a company that specializes in cleaning offices in the Rutland area. And a lot of the offices they clean are medical offices. And some of them are outpatient medical offices. A lot of them stayed open during the COVID pandemic, even though their services were reduced significantly because non-emergency medical procedures were canceled. So when the state of emergency happened, they kept cleaning offices. They kept up their regular routine because even if places weren't being used as much, they were still being used. Any of our buildings that we clean where, you know, they were really responsible for more elective procedures or Mm -hmm. things that could be put off, obviously they had no business, but we were still going in and cleaning the building because they still were staffing the building. They didn't close the building. None of the buildings closed. She, like many managers, she didn't have information as, as nobody did in the early stages of what to tell workers about staying safe and how to protect themselves. Right off the bat, nobody knew anything. So nobody knew, you know, is this a virus you can get from a surface? Is this a virus that even though you're walking into a building that, you know, the patients are gone for the day and the staff is gone for the day, is there still the virus in the air? No one knew um, for at least three to four weeks, if not more. So what we were told and what we did was we took our bottle of disinfectant and sprayed the living heck out of every building, every surface, everything you could imagine. I even was telling staff that if they were worried about droplets in the air to spray it in front of them as they were walking down the hallway. I mean, it, it was really scary. As she acknowledges, she, we really didn't know what to do. Wow. So what does she want to see in terms of that work and that risk that they took on being recognized? Well, you know, it became pretty clear in the public in general that a lot of people were able to stay home and work remotely. A lot of people were able to stay home and not work and get unemployment. And a lot of people weren't. The grocery workers and the healthcare workers were an example of people who were publicly thanked with signs and drive-bys and um, a lot of acknowledgement that they richly deserved for going to work every day and putting themselves at risk by putting themselves in contact with people. And Mm -hmm. There was a feeling growing among the workers in the cleaning service that, you know, they were also putting themselves at risk by going to work all the time where they knew people who had decided to stay home and were getting unemployment insurance and the federal supplement, which in many cases was doubling and tripling their normal pay. This was the $600 that got added to uninsurance payments. Right, $600 a week. And so she was heartened by the fact that the legislature was looking at some kind of hazard pay for workers who were staying on the job and in positions that put them at risk. And then, as we know, the legislature ended up whittling down the hazard pay bill so that it only included an array of professions, but it's mostly healthcare workers and the grocery workers were left out. And so were workers like the staff of the organization that Christy works for. One of the things that was a bright spot during the very dark 
first weeks of COVID was the support that I felt from the community. Um, stars hanging up, thank you essential workers, you know, we love you, et cetera, and so on, right? But, you know, when it really came down to it, how essential are we when we're not included in a bill such as this? I really feel strongly that it, were it not for us, those buildings would not have been able to open. People would not have been able to get gas at Cumberland Farms. People would not have been able to get toilet paper regardless of whether there was stuff on shelves or not, right? I really feel like the average Vermonter needs to understand that this money, whether you look at it has to do with the federal guidelines or how the state administered it, either way, whoever is at fault, quote unquote, or you know made those determinations, that it did not go to the people that really kept our communities running to the extent that if you needed gas or you needed to go to the doctor, you could do so. Help me define what hazard pay is. Like, how is this meant to compensate for an amount of risk that someone has taken in their job? Well, that's a great question, because when policymakers first started talking about it, this was at a time when employers were saying, you know, my workers are choosing not to come in because they can earn more money staying at home. And that was one reason why the legislature started talking about a bonus But by the time it finally came together, you know, this is now retroactive. The $600 a week supplement is no longer available. Many, many people have gone back to work in many different professions. And now it is being treated as more of a reward for those who worked during those very difficult months of uncertainty. So there was kind of an economic rationale behind it. But then there's also this sort of abstract side of it where that money is meant to be sort of a a recognition that these workers kind of took on some extra unusual risk. Right. And now that we are where we are, it's really just the abstract side that is coming into play here. We are thanking the grocery store workers, or we would be if we paid them that bonus. Now, the legislature is looking at doing another round of payments because the first round is going out this week. And Mike Smith, the Secretary of Human Services, thinks that the money is going to run out by the middle of September. So the legislature is thinking of creating another fund for more hazard pay, and they are talking about adding grocery workers because grocery workers, employers have been pretty upfront about saying, look, our people were out there providing an extremely essential service at a very difficult and scary time. Now that we're a few months out from the early days of the pandemic, we've actually started to see evidence of how risky those jobs were. Last week, the health department published data on the Vermonters who've been infected from an unknown source of exposure. It's a small sample, 193 people, but it shows that service workers are the most likely to get infected without knowing how. For cases in hospitality workers, 71% got infected from an unknown source. For grocery workers, that's true for about two-thirds of cases. We spoke to one expert on cashiers who said interacting with the general public during a pandemic is similar to other workplace hazards, like operating dangerous machinery or being on your feet all day. So it's a low-paid job with uncomfortable conditions where right now people are risking their their health and their health of the family. And sure, if you're going to give hazard pay to somebody, they, they should be getting it. This is Karen Messing. She's a professor at the University of Quebec in Montreal. Karen used to be a molecular geneticist until she started working with radiation technicians and hospital cleaners. And one day a, a cleaner said to me, you know, you university professors should really do something about how my back hurts. And so I went off and studied ergonomics on my sabbatical, became an ergonomist, uh, worked with, with cleaners, and then it moved on to other professions. 
Karen has spent entire days watching cashiers do their jobs. She can tell you things about them that would never occur to you when you're just buying your groceries. Probably you wouldn't realize how much, I forget how much weight they handle in a day, but it was a whack of weight. It was comparable to people who are paid to lift weights. And I guess the message I would have for people who are shopping is to put the heavy items on the side of the, of the conveyor belt that's toward the cashier so they don't have to lean over so much to get them like like your big heavy cans please put them on the inside and the cashier's side of the conveyor belt i never would have thought of that but it makes total sense yeah her point is the risks cashiers face during a pandemic are very real people who deal with the public in general are at heightened risk first of contamination it depends on how well, the precautions are put in place in the sense that we just went to the grocery store and there was a, a very high plexiglass barrier. Sometimes those barriers are quite laughable and they don't even come to the person's chin. So what's the point of that? Or the person can't actually reach the groceries without going around the plexiglass. So again, it's not worth much. Or the cashier is helping with bagging, and then again, they're going around the plexiglass. So there's all those questions around the risk of infection that you have to worry about. But I would also point out that we came out of our grocery shopping in a pretty bad mood. And sometimes, and I've seen it happen, and I've been told that it happens, and sometimes people, the people who are not nice to cashiers are inclined not to be nice to cashiers. So it's also a hazard in the sense of a a psychological hazard. And then just worrying about infecting your family is something that we hear from healthcare workers, but we also hear from salespeople in general who deal with the public and have to do a kind of a balancing act where you want to be the nice smiling face of retail sales, but uh, sometimes you're a little bit scared about the things that your customers are doing. So that is on your mind all the whole time, and it's not a comfortable way to live. Karen said as an ergonomist, she would rather jobs be safe enough that no one needs hazard pay. But in her research, she's seen up close how grocery companies tend to undervalue their cashiers. I was talking about cashiers, and they were trying to get me to talk about butchers and and the fish slicer guy and people who were more prestige because those were the valued workers that they wanted to retain. But there was almost 100% per year turnover among cashiers. But this didn't really bother them because they didn't see that the cashiers had any special skills. But of course, dealing with the public is a skill. It's just not a recognized skill. So I would say yes, uh, cashiers and and other people who work with the public directly uh, have undervalued skills and underpaid skills, and something should be done about that. There's a long list of people who get hazard pay, and they're mostly healthcare providers. Like nursing home workers don't, but people who work in hospitals do. There's actually about eight or 10 categories, but it doesn't include sort of retail workers and it doesn't include cleaners. And so with Mike Smith, the Secretary of Human Services, saying that that fund might even run out by mid-September, you're saying that even people who were counted in that category, if they weren't among the first companies to apply for these grants, there might even be people in that pool that don't get that funding? Right. There will definitely be 
people in that pool who don't get the funding. The way that you apply for it is your employer applies for it. So about 70 employers with about 6,000 employees are getting their first checks from the state this week. And if your employer didn't apply in time, Mike Smith says the money's probably going to run out in mid-September and he would like to see another fund created. Got it. And so that's what the legislature is working on now is what would another fund look like and how much money can we funnel into it and who would get that money and who wouldn't? What does it seem like is on the table right now? It's actually still pretty vague. Senator Jane Kitchell is saying that she would like to see more people be eligible for hazard pay. Senator Tim Ash, the president of the Senate, has also said that he strongly thinks it's unfair that grocery workers were not included in the first group. But so far, there aren't any concrete proposals. There's just too much going on. Why were these certain groups of workers left out of the first round of funding in the first place? Well, there was some talk about a worry that this money, which all comes from the Federal CARES Act that was passed in March, it's part of Vermont's huge share of $1.25 billion in federal funding. That money, if it's not spent according to the rules that were written hastily in March, Vermont will actually have to pay it back. And there was some concern that if the legislature included grocery workers and a larger sphere of workers, they would be going against those rules and they would have to pay the money back. But now Tim Ash is sort of looking into this and he has shown that Pennsylvania, for example, has a hazard pay program that does have a much greater breadth and um, that people who are studying this new law that was written are saying you can expand it without fear of running afoul of the rules. Where does that leave someone like Christy, who was in an industry where she was kind of tangential to the healthcare system, but wasn't eligible for this stuff the first time around? Do we know what happens to someone in a position like hers? Well, it leaves her a little bit frustrated because she and her employees were expecting that they would get bonuses. And now she's watching and waiting to see what the legislature will do. Honestly, doing what I do every day and really being mindful and observing the way in which um, people interact with folks in the service business, um, whether they're janitors, quote unquote, or convenience store clerks, they're not valued, frankly. I, I, I really think that that's why it, why it happened. I, don't, I definitely don't feel valued. I know that my staff sometimes will interact with, you know, medical staff or just folks that we work with, that it is, it is very clear that we are seen as less than. And so I, I think that that really encapsulates it. You know, we're really less than, and we're really not essential. And, you know, that's great that, you know, you did your job. Is there anything you can do other than talking to lawmakers? Like if they do pass another chunk of money for this and your profession is not included, what are your options? You know, I'm an advocate at heart. Um, so I have, you know, continued to encourage, you know, people on my team to reach out to have their voice heard. Um, I know that a couple of people that work for me have also reached out to lawmakers. Um, I still think reaching out to the press and creating awareness, it's not about the dollars for me. It's about the acknowledgement that yes, you were there and we appreciate that. And to be left out of this bill just seems like the opposite message. Do we have a sense of how big of a piece this is? I know there are a number of different demands on what the next round of relief funding looks like in terms of how the legislature allocates different pieces of the pie. Do we have a sense of how likely hazard pay is to be part of that conversation going forward? Well, I don't want to sound cynical, but 
um, with an election coming up, I know a lot of people are seeing this as one way to publicly thank Vermonters for their service during the pandemic. There was definitely a significant outpouring of gratitude to the workers who put themselves at risk. I think that the public in general was scared and grateful, and they really went out of their way to show that gratitude to the workers. So I think there's a strong public sentiment for this to happen. On the other hand, we don't even know what the needs are going to be as we go into the fall. I mean, there's there are industries like the hospitality industry that are going to be really suffering after this autumn if the COVID numbers don't allow the state to open things up a little bit. There's so many competing priorities for that money, and there's a lot of needs in the state. Some of them we're not even aware of yet because nobody knows what's going to happen. Got it. On Friday afternoon, the Vermont Senate unanimously approved a bill that would make many of the workers that were left out of the first hazard pay program eligible. It's still unclear whether there's enough support in the House to include the full array of jobs. You can read Ann Wallace Allen's full report on the hazard pay conversation at vtdigger.org and find all of our COVID-19 coverage at vtdigger.org coronavirus. Thanks to our data reporter, Aaron Patenko, for combing through the health department's occupational data. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger Newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then. <laughs>